Welcome to this episode of CBP Cross Border Podcast, Northern Border, New York. Today we're going to talk about the job of an agriculture specialist, what it is, what they do, and more importantly, why they do what they do, and what could potentially happen if they didn't. Agriculture specialists work alongside Customs and Border Protection officers at the border. So they enforce the regulations of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We interviewed Samra, the Buffalo Field Office's Agriculture Operations Manager. I grew up on the farm that instilled in me like this, you know, interest in agriculture. And through that upbringing, um, I, I had this fondness for all things agriculture, animal health, plant health. So I knew from a young age at about probably by 12 or 13 that I wanted my future career to be involved in agriculture. The job mostly attracts candidates with education in natural sciences, biology, chemistry, botany, entomology, you get the idea. I got a degree in agricultural sciences and I minored in communication and international agriculture. And around my junior year, I went to a career fair and I met uh, people there representing the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They were recruiting for plant protection and quarantine officers, which was the precursor to our CBP agriculture specialist. And so I, after learning about that job, the sole mission was to protect American agriculture. And that sounded super to me. Ag specialists are inspecting passenger vehicles and foreign cargo shipments at all the border crossings. And much like a CBP officer, the mission of an agriculture specialist is to secure the border and protect the United States. And the things they're on the lookout for are often very small, tiny, even invisible to the naked eye. This is in your dock space. So anything that we want to visually inspect, we're going to back into these bays. This is Sarah, an agriculture specialist at the Lewiston Bridge. As you go, you can do just something on the tail. Take a look at those items, or if you want... She's showing us around inside their cargo facility. It's a large building, like a warehouse, with several unloading docks. There's a few tractor trailers having their shipments inspected. The drivers wait inside in a separate waiting area until they're cleared to leave. Better light sources, we have magnifying glasses, we also have our lab equipment. Along a back wall, not far from the trailer bays, there's a long stainless steel table with magnifying glasses, microscopes, and other tools. So you might not know the difference between a contaminant like a little piece of dirt or is it a dead capper beetle cast skin or something like that. Mm. So by having these accessible to us right off of the dock, it makes it easier to know, okay, that's nothing to be concerned with or, hey, let's grab another bag and keep going. This is something good. They're looking for anything that could harbor a foreign pest or disease. Flowers, produce, grain, meat, even shipping pallets. These things could harbor foreign insects or disease that if brought into the interior of the U.S. could potentially wreak havoc on our domestic crops, our livestock populations, can negatively impact the environment and even public health. These tiny invaders could cost our agriculture industry and our economy millions, even billions in losses. A lot of times we are, in a proverbial sense, looking for that needle in a haystack. It's tough to imagine something as minuscule as a single insect having any huge environmental or economic impact. But as Sarah points out, They're all things that are coming from another country. They're coming here. Our host material for them doesn't have natural defenses. We don't have those natural predators. 
So a lot of times they're able to run unchecked. And not only can that hurt our agriculture industry, but it also can hurt the ecosystem as a whole. So we're It's already happened so many times around the world, throughout history, even here in the U.S., that it's not something we should ignore. Currently, one such insect, the emerald ash borer, is sweeping the eastern half of the U.S., killing nearly every single ash tree it comes across. It's believed the ash borer made its way into the U.S. around 2002 on... Uh, Woodpacking pallets that came from Asia. Again, here's Agriculture Operations Manager Samra. It's effectively wiping out an entire genus, all of our ash trees, plus our native white fringe tree. So unfortunately, seeing as how it's already here and completely out of control at this point, there's not much that can be done about this destructive little pest. But there are plenty more out there that have yet to establish themselves here. Um, Capra beetle is probably the number one thing that we're concerned about. That's going to be a storage pest, so it's going to go for grains. So we always are looking at uh, the ones that are regulated are safflower seeds, rice, chickpeas, um, but any of the grain goods, it can be in a lot of different beans, it can be in even flour, things that you think are processed and milled. Uh, you always still have to take a look because it might not be in the product, but it might be in the packaging itself. Yeah, Capra beetle is one of those special ones because it can last and persist for long periods of time with no food, no water, things like that. So, um, so it's kind of almost like it's dormant and then it finds a new host and it's on its way. It lasts for quite some time. So. We also have the uh, European fruit fly from Canada now. They have it in Ontario, so we have to worry about fresh cherries when that season comes around. Ontario is the only province that has it at the moment, so if they are bringing in fresh cherries from, say, British Columbia, which is the big area for them, mm. those are fine. We inspect them, we make sure that they're free of pests and disease, but when it comes out of Ontario, they cannot come fresh anymore. Uh, so they can come processed and they can come frozen, but that's about it. Pennsylvania is dealing with spotted lanternfly. Uh, thankfully, we don't have it here yet. They've found little pockets of one or two, um, but there's nothing that has gotten into the crops yet. So that's a good thing for now, but that's what our job is to try to prevent that from happening. There's a lot of dangerous fruit flies out there, but one tops the list of CBP's most unwanted. The medfly is classified as one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous invasive pest on the planet. It affects and infests over 260 different types of fruits, vegetables, nuts. It's found primarily in Africa, and it's spread to the Middle East, Asia, parts of Eastern Europe. Um, this pest is so invasive and so destructive that our government has determined way back in the 1920s that any infestation or any establishment of any population of this pest warrants complete eradication because should a country like the United States become infested with Mediterranean fruit fly, other countries will refuse to do, uh, to trade with us. They'll be even by going as far as placing embargoes on some imports. And because we have such a productive agricultural industry, this pest would shut down a lot of our export markets. So aside from regulating the import of fresh fruits and produce, we also look at um, animal products and byproducts entering commercially and with travelers. 
And the risk of these products coming into the U.S. is the introduction of animal diseases. One of the biggest diseases right now that's causing problems um, over in Asia and Eastern Europe would be the um, African swine fever. It's a, a viral disease of pigs, and it doesn't hurt humans, but African swine fever um, can have up to 100% mortality rate in infected herds of pigs. It can be transported, of course, not just via pigs, but um, a certain tick will carry that virus from different herds. Wild pigs can become affected and by their movement can spread it. So in the United States, our pork industry is a $54 billion industry and 40% of our pork is exported. Should it get into our country and affect our domestic pigs, we would be looking at the loss of a lot, if not all of our export market. Um, currently, African swine fever worldwide has decimated 25% of the pig population across the planet. It's, yeah, it's true. It's huge. Um, there is no known vaccine for this disease. So one of the control measures is to depopulate pig farms. So it, we kill the animals, unfortunately, to prevent the spread. Back at the Lewiston Bridge border crossing, Sarah takes us away from the unloading docks, down a long hallway to their lab, where they have more specialized equipment to help them detect and isolate pests. That we're inspecting. So we have more tools that we can use back here. Uh, this item over here is called a Burley's funnel. It's a great thing to use when you want to have, like, say, dry goods. It looks so somewhat like a bucket a with a light on top. And inside, at the bottom, is a screen and below that is a hole that opens into a smaller container. The screen, the light helps heat things up. So the pest doesn't want to be anywhere around that. It's too warm. They're going to drive away from it. And then at the bottom, you just put a cup of alcohol down there. So then they're going to fall into that. And then you can look to see what you've discovered after the fact. The thing I like about this job is every day can be different. So you'll come in one day and you might be focusing on something you find in the passenger environment that needs fish and wildlife. So you might be looking at, say, sea cucumbers or shark fin or something really interesting there. But then the next day, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> it might be um, finding a really interesting pest on a certain produce. It's a really difficult job, and sometimes you feel like it's an uphill battle. But it's those days when you find that one pest or that one disease where you feel like you're actually making a difference. Lewiston Bridge is one of the busiest commercial truck border crossings on the northern border. Then there's also the regular car lanes with all of those visiting Canadians or returning Americans, some of which may also require an inspection from an agriculture specialist. So as Sarah explains, the day-to-day -day of an agriculture specialist can get pretty busy. It's because there is so much to the job. Um, it's not one specific thing. You're not sitting in a lab all day trying to determine exactly what pest or pathogen this is. Um, you are busy. You're in there. You're in the trenches. You're trying to find these items. Uh, but then you're also trying to juggle all of the documents and paperwork that you have to review, as well as the overwhelming volume of traffic that we get during the summer. So you have to find ways to prioritize and to balance everything. Besides being able to handle the fast and furious day-to-day -day operations of an ag specialist, Sarah mentions it also helps to be patient and able to diffuse a tense situation. Um, it's amazing how angry people get when you're taking their food. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
to them, I understand some of it has cultural importance or religious importance. Uh, some of it is something that, you know, their child or their grandchild loves to eat, so they wanted to cook it special for them. Um, some things when it comes to plants have sentimental value to them. Um, but at the same time, I don't want people to think that we don't understand that. You know, we still have empathy uh, for the situations that they're in, but we also have something we're fighting for in a bigger picture. So even though there is something that you're tied to, we do try to give options. So if you're told that something you've brought with you isn't allowed to cross into the U.S. before you get too upset, consider that depending on what it is. We'll tell them you're more than welcome to take it back to Canada. So you can take it back to Canada, leave it there. You don't have to bring it in. Or we'll give them information where they can go to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and try to get it certified so they can bring in the proper documentation that's required to go with it. But still, some travelers go as far as to try to hide their food, plants, and even pets. Or they just simply fail to declare them, hoping the officer or specialist won't open the trunk. But failing to declare a few bucks worth of fruit could end up costing you hundreds. Civil penalties can come into play for failure to declare ag items. Uh, the cost for the first-time offenders is $300, and a second-time offense can be $500 or more. The best advice I have, though, is that when you're crossing, you have to make sure to declare everything that you have. That way, worst-case scenario, the item gets seized, but you're not going to have a penalty associated with it. CBP specialists like Samra and Sarah they just want more of the public to better understand the serious risk a little bug or a diseased piece of fruit or meat could pose here in the United States. Yeah, we are always very concerned about our produce industry on this side. If you think of the citrus crop, it's so huge down in Florida. And any little thing can have catastrophic um, events down the line. So great example is two of them that we have right now are citrus canker. And that's going to be a disease that affects the outside of the fruit. So it causes these lesions, essentially these little bumps on the fruit, and it makes it very unsightly. So the farmers then don't want to put it out for sale because people aren't going to pick it. When you go to the grocery store, think of how much you scrutinize those items. And you're going to look at it and say, I don't want that one. And you're going to put it back. So the industry then has to worry about the way things look. Things will fall from the tree. You won't get as good of a yield. So all of that affects it. Um, another one is going to be called citrus greening, and that is caused, again, by a disease, but the vector for that disease is actually a pest. So we worry about the Asian citrus psyllid. So that psyllid comes in, it can come in a, a wide variety of citrus fruits. Um, it also can come in on leaves, so a lot of people try to bring in curry leaves, not thinking that it's of the citrus family, and that's a really big host for the Asian uh, citrus psyllid. So that psyllid then causes this greening disease by passing on that disease, and it causes, again, unsightly fruit, but even worse, it causes it to be bitter. So they can't even produce it for juice or anything like they could with citrus canker fruit. Bioterror, viruses and chemical agents, and their potential to be used to kill or cause harm is something specialists at the border say they're always ready to deal with. Biologicals are a big threat that we're always concerned could take place. So it's one of those things that we are preparing for the worst case scenario and hoping it never happens. If someone suspects there's biologicals, they see vials, petri dishes, um, things of concern, they're going to call us and we're going to be the go-to you know, for that one. We will call CDC, we will kind of work with USDA, and we will look into those items as well. 
you want to learn more about what can and can't cross the border, go to cbp.gov. Click travel at the top and check out the Know Before You Go and Know Before You Visit pages. Also keep in mind, things are changing all the time. With ours, it's not always cut and dry. Something that might have been let in for years in the past will all of a sudden be restricted, and then maybe the next year it's going to be outright prohibited. So everything can be on a gradual scale, and it's because everything is always changing when it comes to pest disease and animal disease as well. There are some broad general rules that seem to be easy for people to follow. When it comes to produce, always look for things in season. So if it's grown in Canada and grown in the U.S. and properly labeled, which that's key, then most of the time it's going to be allowed back and forth. A lot of the pests and diseases that Canada have, we do as well. So we don't have it as strict for those items. Thanks for listening. Leave a comment if you have a border-related topic that you'd like to know more about. If we can discuss it, we will.